Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Create a Mountain Mama podcast. I am here today with Brittany Johnson from Hillside Highland, coming to you from Washington. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. You have a wonderful social media presence, and I know you guys are first-generation ranchers. What is one of your favorite and funniest ranching stories? So I guess the funniest story that we've really ever had was when we first started, um, like a lot of people, we just started small, started with a couple. Um, and then I think we kind of outgrew the space that we were in a little too quickly. Um, we were at the time living in a gated neighborhood that right alongside an airstrip. And, um, so that was my first experience with having cattle of any sort and the neighbors were like not thrilled to have cows like in the neighborhood Uh, so there was a night we were doing chores and the next morning my husband went to work and I was working from home that day and I kind of heard a lot of mooing and for anybody that knows cows that means like one of two things they're either hungry or something's going on so I ran downstairs because I had just taken a shower and I was in like a towel wrap and I had my hair in a towel and I lifted the windows and there were cows everywhere, like all in the front yard everywhere. So I panicked. I called my husband. I was like, the cows are out. What am I supposed to do? Um, And he's like, go grab a bag of oatmeal and just shake it because they were like, we give them corn as like a treat. So I like ran to the pantry, grabbed oatmeal and I was running outside in my towel, in my muck boots, with my hair in a towel, <laughs> oatmeal, and the neighbor called my husband and was like, "Um, what's going on over there? <laughs> like your <laughs> wife is running around like a crazy person." Um, but I did get them all back into their little corral in my towel. So that's that a was definitely, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. You've outdone some hardened cowboys with that story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> well. If you were to look Brittany up online, she talks a lot about her ranch life and her beautiful um, Highland cows, a little bit about home DIY and gluten-free cooking. Her intention is to share and inspire positivity about everyday life. Can you talk a little bit about your journey and how you found this new location in, in Washington? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Washington and then um, went to California for college, met my husband. We came home. Both of us worked for my dad for many years until um, he found out that he had colon cancer. So I think for anybody that loses a parent prematurely, you know, definitely it's not how you picture your parent passing at a young age. Um, It really kind of stirs something in you and it puts life into perspective pretty quickly. So for both Keith and I, um, we realized, you know, there's more to life that we really want for ourselves, for our kids. So after my dad had passed, we were like, what are we going to do with our lives, you know? And um, for Mother's Day, he ended up surprising me with a Highland heifer. Um, And that kind of just started it. We fell in love with this idea of raising our kids on, you know, on pasture, on land, with cows, um, getting them out of the city. And so that's when we kind of 
took off with this dream and realized that we really wanted to do it. We didn't want to do it as a hobby. We wanted to start a ranch from scratch. So um, at the time that we only had a couple in this little gated neighborhood, um, we knew we couldn't stay there. So we started looking. I personally really wanted to live in Montana. Um, so on the weekends, we would drive out, we would look at houses and properties. And I feel like I was forcing it like I wanted it so bad that I was willing to do whatever it took to move our family a couple states away and just start over. Um, but God very clearly was like, Nope, this is not it. We're not we're not doing this. Um, and so I just felt content with staying put. And we both thought, you know, God has his plan and we will, we'll just wait for him to open the next door. So we put in the work, we put in the time where we were and it wasn't until, um, Keith got a random little email alert from Zillow with the property that we're at now. Um, and so we packed up our kids, we got in the car, we went out that weekend and we looked and it was this overwhelming peace, just driving down the driveway. And all of us were like, this is home. Like, this is it. So um, then over the next year, we had to live between two houses because we still have jobs. Um, so we would commute between two office locations, between two houses, and we'd either be pulling a trailer full of cattle or a trailer full of like our personal belongings. And we slowly moved into the ranch. Um, and so it was at the end of the year in 2021 that we finally moved in and we've kind of just hit the ground running and never looked back. For someone that wants to take similar steps, full-time office job, dual income and a ranch, could you go into what the daily life looks like and what to expect? Sure. So we still are both working full-time jobs, um, which does make it a full schedule, um, I'll be honest. But I think my biggest advice is just start small, start slow. You don't have to have the full ranch to be a rancher. Like I think that's what a lot of people think is that it's just a hobby or, you know, that it doesn't equal up to this dream life that, you know, Yellowstone has created for everybody. <laughs> um, but it's busy. It's full. You know, you get up in the morning, you get your kids ready for school, you go to work, and then you come home and you feed and you do chores. And if there's any issues like fencing, or if an animal is sick, then that's priority. So it comes before the dinner time, before the kids bath time, before all of it. Um, and I think that's been the biggest balance struggle that we've had is finding our happy medium. And not that we have it perfected, but I think Keith and I just sat down and we're like, this is your role. This is my role. And then kind of moving into a more succinct relationship in that way of where he knows what he has to do. I know what I have to do. Um, and then there's no resentment. There's no you know, difficulties within our marriage, because we just know this is what we're doing. So it might be busy, it might be hectic, but it is so fulfilling and worth it. Start small, build slow. How many yeah. years has it been since he brought you a cow for Mother's Day? Yeah, it was um, in 2020, actually. So 
I did. I mean, I, we did not take my own advice. <laughs> we kind of um, at the time, I think it was a little bit different in 2020 just because things like animals, for example, were a little bit more affordable. And when we first started, we started with unregistered. So for anybody that isn't familiar, there's registered highlands and unregistered highlands. And the registered option is definitely going to be for the person that's a breeder that wants to know the full animal history, who the parents were. I mean, it goes back generations. And an unregistered highland, it still can be purebred. It's just not papered. So we chose the unregistered route when we first started because it was more affordable. Um, And as we've kind of grown with our ranch and selling calves every year, we could pay attention to what people are asking for. Um, So initially we had no problem selling unregistered animals and we still don't, but it's just more like through the years, people are asking for registered calves. So I think that's where our business has a little bit developed. But, you know, in 2020, it was really easy to find unregistered highlands and you could buy them for, you know, fairly inexpensive prices. Um, So we grew really fast because we were able to find them cheap and hay was cheaper and all the things. So Um, When we first started, we kind of started at a perfect time, I feel like, and not that starting now isn't perfect, but it's just being smart with where you start, how you start, how many you start with, because so many people look at Highland calves and they just think these are so cute and they stay little forever and they don't, (laughs) they grow up and they are cows. They're not pets. Um, So just being really conscious of the expense that goes into raising an animal. It sounds like there's a lot to it. What are some common questions that you get? So I think a lot of people would love for us to roadmap out like a written handbook on how to start from scratch. If I could do that, I probably would make a ton of money because who wouldn't want that? But that's just not real life. You know, we can't map it out for every single person because like housing prices are different depending on what state you live. Hay prices are different. Animal prices. It's just so different depending on your location. Um, but I will say the number one thing we looked for when we were looking for a property was fencing. We wanted it to be primarily fenced. We weren't afraid to learn how to fence and fence ourselves. And we've fixed plenty of fences, um, living on a fenced property, but starting with fencing that's existing and a water source is like our two primary things, because if you have water and you have fencing, then you can just kind of get going. Um, You know, you buy your little feeder trough from your farm store, you find a local hay person. Um, You know, there's little things you can start with to eventually then grow into, okay, now I'd like to get a trailer because I want to haul animals myself. Because initially you can find people that will haul the animal to you. might cost a little bit of money, but you don't necessarily have to have a trailer to get going. There's always the what ifs, like what if you need to go to the vet or what if 
you know, you find an animal and they don't want to haul to you. So it's nice to have a trailer. But when we very first started with our first heifer and even our bull calf that came a couple weeks later, we didn't have a trailer. So, you know, it's just starting with the necessities. And then kind of once you get in the role of it and you start learning about what you can't live without, um, then you start growing your list every single year of what you're going to work towards purchasing, um, you know, what works for you and your operation that, you know, might not work for somebody else. So I think the best piece of advice is just get going and then see what you need before you overspend before you start. Start where you are. What are some common misconceptions that you receive? With Highland specifically, the biggest misconception is that they, you know, that's just a pet. Um, And that's the one thing I wish more people would understand. It's still a cow, right? Or a bull. Like it is still an animal with its own mind. Um, I know that a lot of people want to halter train them and they want to pet them and feed them. And you can, like you absolutely can do that with Highlands. That's not something that's been our goal specifically. Um, We really love to let them be how God intended and just roam the land. And obviously, you know, we have to step in and feed in the winter when there's no grass and things like that. But I just, I think the biggest misconception is that it's just a pet um, when it's not. So that would be the biggest thing is if you are going to get started, definitely like have a plan for if your animal gets out, what are you going to do? You know, having feed and hay and the ability to feed, you know, like we do have a tractor, we're able to feed them with either skid steer tractor, whatever. But if you don't have those things, how are you going to feed, you know, small bales, that sort of thing. So just kind of being prepared for your animal and not treating it like a dog for sure. That's most people's background. Yeah. On that, since you guys are first generation, who or what has helped you settle in and what resources or, you know, who's the resource that you go to, to help? Sure. So when we first moved here, the previous owners, they did have an Angus ranch and they were gracious enough to leave us a list because we had never, I I mean, I've lived in Washington my whole life and I've never heard of the town that we live in now. So we knew not, no one, nothing. It was like literally starting from scratch. So he left us a list of who to contact for hay, who the local vet is, the neighbors, you know, those sort of things. So he kind of gave us a step up to be able to kind of have a speed dial for different people that would be able to help us. And I think for anybody that's brand new, you always think that people are going to judge you like, oh, I don't really want to ask because I'm a little too nervous that they'll think, you know, oh, what a silly question. I've been doing this my whole life, you know, but in our experience, when we would phone a friend, so to speak, everyone was so willing to help us. Um, we've had great neighbors. Um, last year, we had our first backwards calf and we called our neighbor. He came over. He helped us get it in our corral, put it in the squeeze and he pulled it and it lived. Um, we couldn't have done that ourselves, you know, and now we know. So it's just been awesome to learn through our neighbors, our vet has been a great resource. I have 
an amazing friend that lives in Wyoming that, um, you know, I'm able to call for any little question and she's never been upset about, you know, like, oh, what a silly little thing. Um, so yeah, we've just been surrounded by really, really good people that have been doing it for a really long time that have been a wealth of knowledge for us. Are there any challenges that you've run into? I think for us with, we're the only like Highland cattle breeder in our area specifically. So I think the biggest challenge is the horns um, because everything has to be really slow. If you're going to put them in the corral, run them through, you know, the alleys into the squeeze, it has to be one at a time. Whereas with hornless cattle, you can pack them in, run them through. Um, and it's not a as big of an issue as with the horned animals. Also, when they're calving, that's a whole nother um, fun time with the horns because, you know, like any mom, you have new hormones and you don't want people around your baby. So when they first calve to go up, make sure it's okay, tag it, do all your little doctoring things. Um, it can be really dangerous. So it's something we can't do alone. My husband and I have to do most all of that together because there's just too big of a risk factor. So had I, had I thought about that way back when, when I was like, let's do Highlands, you know, cause that just came out of nowhere. We just wanted something different. Um, there's just a lot more to Highlands than people think. I mean, they're beautiful. They're fun to look out the window at, but there is definitely some setbacks as well. So it sounds like you guys work really well together, managing horns, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about your husband as an inspiration in your life? Sure. Um, Keith is definitely one of the biggest inspirations in my life. He has brought the calm to my crazy, I will always say. Um, I'm definitely the big dreamer. I can see the big picture, the finish line. Like I can have it all kind of mapped out like midway to finish line, but it's the beginning to midway where I stumble. And that's where he just kind of like picks up, makes the plan. And he kind of steers our family in the direction that, you know, he feels led, whether it's by God or whether it's through intuition as a husband, as a father, but he really does a great job of leading our family. Um, there's been so many times where I have just been in awe of him because he is so calm. <laughs> he just makes so many decisions just naturally. Whereas I'm like spinning in the background, like, Oh, this isn't going to work. But I think that's where we do become a really good uh, team because there are things that I do better than him. And there's a lot more things he does better than me, but together, I just feel like we can do anything. And so that's where he definitely has been the perfect husband, the perfect partner, a great dad, um, a great leader in faith for our family. And I'm super lucky to have him. Well, you'll have to snap out that little recording and play it for him every night. <laughs> I know. Remember, I do love that'll be his new ringtone. Yeah. Um, so you shared with me, you're a mama of three and two. you said, oh, two, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. 
how boring would life be without kids? Can you talk a little bit about what the ranch has brought into their life and how, um, you know, what the difference is? Sure. So when we first started having kids, obviously the ranch wasn't even on our radar. Um, and then we started like, you know, when we started picturing a different life for our family, we thought how cool it would be to get our kids off pavement and just let them be free range kids. And I think that's been the biggest blessing for us as parents. And hopefully they'll see it as a blessing when they get older. Um, they enjoy it now, but you never know, right? So I just love the fact that they can go outside and dig. They get to see new life come into the world and they get to see life leave the world with being on a ranch. Um, so it puts a lot of different things into perspective at a young age. And it's just been a true blessing for them to be in a small town surrounded by many faith-based families with great morals and just, you know, that small town energy where everyone's there to help each other out and to raise kids in a crazy world like today in a slow town like we live, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Amazing. God's timing, His plan, all unfolding with a lot of grace for you guys. So thank you so much, Brittany. I appreciate you joining me today. And yeah, thank you.